Kicks and henchmen out there in the Geek Nation, you're listening to Spoiler Alert. Ah, I, what? <laughs> I, I was mid sip and I didn't know we were gonna do like the scream at the spoiler. Oh, I mean, don't do you don't again. have to do that. No, no, anymore. we'll do it again because I know you really like what? it. What? I really don't. Though. I know you love it when I do that. It's cool. What's Keep... up to our sidekicks and henchmen out there in the Geek Nation? You're listening to Spoiler Alert. Spoiler. I, but it's, why are you? But why? Are you, I don't know. I, it's not. You're not adding like, anything. Well, I feel like I was just uh, like possessed by a Muppet. Okay. Just then. I'm your host, Johnny Destructo. With me this week is Mark underscore L underscore Miller. Razzle dazzle. And that's it. That's the only person who's with me this week. Nobody else. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And no. Hey. (laughs) All right. So we have an email. Let's get on it. Mm. Mm. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've never heard let's get on it. All right. right. Spoiler alert 580. More lamentations over the way it used to be from the home dad abroad. Gentlemen! (laughs) And I use that term without any clear understanding of its meaning. Don't go dragging my ass into service as your wiki of all things comics. Let it simply be known that the Superboy of the New 52 was awful, and that no matter what he was called, he was not and could not be the same Connor of the pre-Infinite Crisis DC Continuum. Just as almost none of the characters populating the Rebirth version of DC are the characters they resemble from years gone by. Not only are they handled differently by their current creative teams, but they also represent today's attitudes and aesthetics in, often, stark contrast to yesterday's. Although each age of comics is distinct for its style of storytelling and characterization, they can be further divided down into periods of flux in the behaviors and beliefs of the society at large, which osmotically saturate the style and content of the popular works of the day. The nostalgia felt for my Superman or other character I love that so many of us alter cockers? Alter cockers? glom onto when criticizing these young punks with their music, blue jeans, and own strange ideas is a melange of the versions of those characters from the many periods we as readers live through. That perfect Superman or whoever never existed except perhaps as a single story in some lost back issue. He, she, it is a fever dream of half-remembered moments read about when something striking was occurring in our hopefully eventful lives that allowed the characters to resonate in our view of them. Those superheroic characters live and grow and change as we read about them carrying on within their stagnant matrix existence, just as we live and grow and change in the eyes of those we know and love. Yet in our own heads, we insist that we have remained the same dumbasses we were in high school. It is the disease of the human condition that always kills us in the end. So before wasting my time asking about flotsam that St. Saucy is furiously googling as we speak, criticize the way that son or daughter or parent or lover or friend of yours is just not enough like the one you really enjoyed being around from five years ago and see where that gets you. I have no idea why I wrote any of that. 
I meant to rant about having the reading of my email postponed because of poor quality control on the recording of the free-to-listen podcast <laughs> that some people can't tolerate having to wait for. Hey, I got the rant in anyway. How about that? The Home Dad Abroad. Uh, that was 500 words worth of, hey, you got rose-colored glasses. Yeah. Period. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, he's, he's got a point. No, there, I, I actually appreciate it. So, like, the uh, I, I especially enjoy the bit about um, that version of Connor or whatever the hell you want to call him ascribed to a certain aesthetic that was unlike any before or it mm. was really, really mainstream in a way. Or I say mainstream in air quotes, like – it just like how somebody tells you like this is rock and roll and it's yeah. just like the first thing you think is like that's not rock and roll mm-hmm. you know like a very poserish which is which i felt like most of new 52 was mm. like look how badass we are like relax did you think it was trying to be badass i do mark do I you do. agree uh i think it tried to be new like well i mean fresh. you would want it to but... be i mean that's kind of the point I, and I think it was successful for some of it. I think yeah. I think launching, I mean, out of the 52 titles, I think there was a decent uh, percentage that were pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always going to be bottom barrel stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think it was okay. I didn't think it was like, you know, edgelord, you know, sort of, I think, oh, look how extreme we are. I think a lot of it was, actually, guys. Like, uh, uh, like Titans. um uh, a lot of like the Suicide Squad crap. Oh well, that's the, the fucking Suicide Squad. Still, it was it yeah. was the the whole tone of like the art, the style, all of it for a, a handful of books. Other than the ones that they refused to let you know New Fifty Two touch, like Batman, Batman and, and Green, Green Lantern. Lantern and stuff like that. It all was very just like nineties badass. Oh, I, it, wow! It, you know what it is? I think I'm the ones I really remember are Superman by Grant Morrison. Yeah. Jeff Lemire's uh, Animal Man, Scott Snyder's Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that I really appreciated, of, uh, I think, at the time. Those are like my three, I would say, maybe three top books. Those actually were the best ones. So, yeah. so that's uh, throw in uh, Green Lantern and Batman. That's five out of 52. Yeah. Yeah, but where you think, I think you might be thinking of that just the last year with the shit like Damage and. No, 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 no. no. I, I think that was trying to redo the sales bump of New 52, but it was the same creative yeah. slump. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, d- d- all those ones, like Unexpected and Damaged and... and sideways. Uh, sideways. Silencer. All those. They It just felt very flashy, and, and mm-hmm. they were trying to... They were trying to do image stuff, but it was like as if they were straight from image without... and. It trying to equal the writing in it as well. I just don't think, besides the silencer, that was the only one that I think was actually um, was actually good. I was I was super excited about New Fifty Two. Yeah, I was we super all excited. Were. I like it, it felt like it was going to be something like new and fresh and like the ultimate versions of or or like something like the ultimate line, but actually yeah. like following through with it. Yeah. And it was it was a lot of the same with a like two or three bright spots so yeah, in retrospect i felt it, it felt very rushed put together yeah fly by the seat of its pants yeah well it felt like it was like they they were starting the, i remember they announced it at like c2e2 and all they had was like a sketchbook 
um, yeah. of of the stuff. Like, and they were announcing when all they had were like just a couple of sketches. I remember listening to some of the people talk about the stories that were going to be, and it 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 literally sounded like they didn't even have stories in mind yet. They just were like stuff from the artist sketchbook that they wanted to kind of do. Yeah, and if it was C two E two, then that would have only been like four or five months before it launched. Yeah, because yeah. it happened. Yeah. Uh, I like. Well, it was like end of midway the through um, Flashpoint is when they decided to do it. Flashpoint wasn't even intended to be that, and then about halfway through it, they were like, "Oh, that's what we're going to do. We're going to reboot everything." So, I, does that have much to do with what we're talking about? Here? Yeah, well, yeah, because the whole the, his this entire rant was stemmed from us not remembering anything about Connor Kent oh, in yeah. the last like five ten years. Yeah, because where's don't. he been? Yeah. And that turned into the conversation about where he was in the New Fifty Two. And this version, or the new 52 version of him, whatever it was, I guess, didn't resemble anything like the Connor that we just saw he, or want to see. He was more of the Connor that we got from the Young Justice cartoon. Tortured? Yeah, yeah. He was, like, tortured. He was raised in a VR, like, he was in a tube, and in his mind was, like, this sort of, like, I think, VR mindscape of some sort, where he was learning lessons, mm-hmm. but not in the real world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was... Uh, I'm on episode 20 now, by the way. Getting ah, better. Yeah. Getting better? Good, good. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much, Home Dad. I'll, I'll do it. Home Dad Abroad. Uh, we have another email from Christopher Goodnight. It's called, I just trimmed my beard and seriously considered sending it to the shop as a prank. Hey, you guys. Or, I don't know if I'm reading this correctly. Maybe it's, hey, you guys. <laughs> the only time I found Ms. Marvel interesting was right after House of M. They relaunched her book because... Because based on her time in House of... I guess they're talking about Captain Marvel. Yeah, Marvel. Uh, They relaunched her book because based on her time in the House of M, she decides to become a big full-time... A big-time full-fledged superhero. I think it was the first issue after the special I opened the book and smack dab in the middle of the double-page spread was Monument Circle from downtown Indianapolis. Who knew AIM terrorists considered Indiana a threat? I think her biggest nemesis, from what I remember, is the brood, but I could be wrong. As for Justin Gray, he has been doing mostly creator-owned stuff for the last few years, including Billy the Kit, a supernatural western about gunslingers' attempts to rid the wild west of outlaws and ancient evil tornado gods. Question. Dead Rabbit, which you recommended, has been canceled and recalled due to copyright infringement. There's an Irish pub that is named Dead Rabbit and uses the comic book as the menu. Do you think I should take them back to my local comic shop? The who would easily give me store credit or hold all to them in case the series gets relaunched and the value of the original issues skyrockets. Also, how dare you jump so willingly into Conan from Marvel and Jason Aaron when you couldn't even bother to review Conan the Slayer from Dark Horse and Cullen Bunn. It was a great book that was like an epic poem and was cut short when Dark Horse lost the license. That said, I will probably check out Jason Aaron's Conan when I pick up my monthly stack of books, nearly $180 worth, on the last week of the month. Chris, St. Saucy, good night. So I feel like Chris St. Saucy, good night, answered his question in his own email. He says, Dead Rabbit was canceled due to copyright infringement. Should I take it back to my comic book store? And then later, on the very next paragraph, he goes... Oh, I love the Conan book from Dark Horse, but it was cut short because they lost the license. Did you take all of those issues of Conan back to your comic book store? They both got canceled. Why would you take well, uh, a book back I, to a shop because the book got canceled? Normally, I would agree with you, but the book in, in the case of uh, Dead Rabbit, it was canceled and recalled. I so see. he probably could have 
brought it back. Mm. But why? Like, all right, so you enjoyed a story for $3. Maybe it'll have value if it ever comes back again. Mm. If not, you read the first issue of a story that you're hoping comes back. Just keep it. Yeah. What's the big deal, man? Yeah. Unless you're unless you're jonesing for that, like, $4 of store credit. Mark? Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's there's I, I it, it, it if has, that's the only if that's your 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 biggest problem in life, just consider yourself lucky. <laughs> oh my god! I I sorry, no, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be. Some of us stare into an abyss and not know what to feel. <laughs> in other words, keep the comic. Yeah, keep the comic. Just fucking keep it. Put it in a frame right next to your 60 issues of, of whatever. Of, the variant what covers? The book? Yeah, of that arm factory thing that you did. The, the farm. Oh, farm. Farm, farm, farm. farm. Actually, farm. Arm Factory is the name of my band. <laughs> it's it's all percussion. All of it. Just arms. They, they are pretty rocking. It's true. All right. So there we go. Um, thank you so much for the emails, you guys. We do have some more, but we will get to those next week. Um, and, uh, let's talk about some comic books. Mark? Who cares? Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna, I was gonna ask which one you wanted to start with, but... Fuck it, what does it matter? Let's start with Batman, number 63. I suppose. Oh, God. By Tom King and Mikhail Janin and Jordi Belair. Uh, so the, I, I, I read 62 and 63 today. I haven't read, what was the, you said there was a cliffhanger? Uh, 60 had a cliffhanger. What was a cliffhanger? Um, uh, Alfred was yeah. shot. Sh- well, I don't think if no. he was shot. He was just, Alfred was like unconscious, just got hit. Um, then he got hit from behind the head and standing behind him was Thomas Wayne. Oh, that's Flashpoint right. Flashpoint Batman. Right, Flashpoint Batman. So and then ever since then it's just been a, a bunch of one shots that are disconnected and yep. sort of dreamlike. Yeah, so the first one felt like just a one shot about like catching up with that Thomas Wayne kid that he introduced I I want to say in like the 40 issues somewhere, like 47 or 48 or something. Um Master the, Bruce. Yes, Master Bruce is the evil name for him. Hmm. And then there was the weird fever dream with Professor Pig. And now this. So it's been three issues of not connected kind of weird onesies. dreams or onesies. And this is the first time in all of them where a semblance of what the hell is going on kind of appears in the form of John Constantine. Mark, do you care? Uh, I just think, I, I mean, I don't know what happened uh, to this title but it has just gone completely off the rails um i i just i i mean i i get he wants to tell some experimental stories and maybe he wants to experiment experiment around with some uh different art styles uh things like that um like working with different artists and things but it's just not working i mean he he's in one issue he's beating up every villain imaginable then then for an entire issue, he's like captured by pig and he doesn't know when or where or how. Um, and now in this one, we get a wonderful flashback to the worst comic in the last probably 
like, <laughs> decade. Worst Batman comic in a decade. Um, and it's like, as if we didn't get enough of those stupid, dreamy, uh, like, romantic kind of the, the I don't know, but Tom King thought it must have been romantic. Um, uh, those, those splash pages where it's just them talking about Catwoman's eyes and all this other stupid shit. Oh, Batman number um, 50. Yeah, 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 we get and we get uh, we get two more splashes of them. Just like it's as if like they had two other pages from that book and they were like, oh, how can we just sort of squeeze this in here? And so they just wrote more shit to, to fill up those things. It's it, I mean, it's just dumb. It's just a well, why basically go what's back? happening in this dream sequence is that instead of being left at the altar, so to speak, left at the rooftop, uh, Catwoman shows up and they live happily ever after until she's dead. Yeah, until she dies from it. Yeah, so uh, it's it's cl- like even the the you know the um this arc is called nightmares. It's it's clear that each one of these little like one shots is a nightmare scenario for Bruce, but it's boring. It's they're spinning. It's they're spinning. It's their spinning wheels. wheels. Yeah, it's it's not that it's boring. If these if these happened like you know over the course of time or or were their own little like annual one shots, kind of part of a bigger whole, sure. But it's saying the same thing over and over again. Of him being in a nightmare, and this is what it is. Yeah. Oh, he's in a nightmare. This is what it is, uh, and it's just, it's it's a five issue dream sequence, and it's annoying. You know, Mark, yeah. how you don't like alternate realities. Yeah, I don't like dream sequences. It, I, 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 I don't mind it. I don't mind it when it like happens. Like maybe there's like a three page dream sequence, and then the character wakes up and like, oh, oh yeah, God. and it means something to the rest of the story, or it's either like a premonition, or it represents some kind of fear that the the character has. I don't remember. I don't mind that, but it's when it's done like this. When it's, I mean, you're right. It's this has been going on for like this is like the fourth issue. This has been seems like it's been happening, and it's just enough already all right it's like what are you what are you doing like like what how is this an actual story just by doing four dream sequence scenarios in a row with four issues in a row without even really doing much by way of framing um Mm -hmm. i guess constantine provides some kind of framework in this and saying like how none of this is real and and all this stuff but we all knew that uh, it, well, just the way the way the story was told. We knew that because we're reading it. If if anybody would have picked up the the other two issues, you know, alone. Oh God forbid, someone just decided to jump in. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like someone just come oh, on. I swear, I think it still happens. And the other two issues were no indication that you know something like that was going on. But either way, <clears throat> you don't have to talk down to me as as a writer. That's fine. It's just. I think you said it perfectly, Mark. It's just it's spinning wheels. Like, yeah. get to the story you want to tell. Don't keep pulling at a yeah. thread that is not interesting anymore. You know, like it, all all three of these issues could have been in one issue. Well, strap in, guys. I think there's like four more of these. Oh fuck! Ugh, God. All right, so let's move on. Mm. <laughs> just to... stop, Tom King. Stop collecting a paycheck and just write a goddamn cohesive <laughs> story. Um. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy number one from Marvel Comics by Donnie Cates and Jeff Shaw. Um, this is a bonkers lineup. Now, okay, guys. I'm giggling. I, I haven't read all of, not Secret Wars. What was the last? Infinity, Infinity Wars. Wars. Did you guys finish those? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what happened? Uh. <laughs> Anything that happened in this... I know Gamora was... What, ba- she got What all happens the in this series is irrelevant. Oh. All, that, all that matters is that the Guardians kind of broke up at the end of that because Gamora 
Um, what happened to her at the end of it? She didn't die, but she's gone. She cut off. She cut off Thanos's head. Well, that was no, no, I, one. No, I'm talking about the, the very end yeah. of Wars. What <laughs> happens to her? Like the uh, Guardians are gone, so like Drax is dead. Aww. They don't talk about what happens to Groot in this issue. So something happened. I'm mean, not Groot. Sorry, Rocket. Uh, Groot's there. But it's basically I, I just remember Groot Star Lord. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So looking at this cover, I was tickled. I like the lineup here. Now there's there's a couple people in here I don't know. We've got Groot, Moon Dragon, Nova, Adam Warlock, Silver Surfer, Beta Ray Bill, Nighthawk, Mark. Eh? Uh, dark. It's Dark Hawk. Oh shit, Dark Hawk. Um, pretty badass looking. Star Lord, mm-hmm. and then oh, the Gladiator, and then who's this lady with the silver? Philavel, right? Uh, sure. Who's that? That's she's Captain Marvel. Well, not another... Captain Marvel. She's Quasar. Oh, Qua- oh, the new Quasar. Okay, from and another... then Cosmic Ghost Rider from an alternate reality, though. Yeah. These two are from alternate reality. Yeah, I got that from uh, they mentioned. That, oh like, yeah, they do. As they... a real quick aside, um, but yeah, I thought this was kind of fun. Marky... I don't think all I don't think all of them are on the team though. Um, uh, not by the end of the issue, no. Yeah. Um, like Gladiator and Silver Surfer aren't really on the team, I don't think. But and Dark Hawk hasn't showed up, or Dark Hawk hasn't even shown up yet. Yeah. And oh no, Adam Dark Marvel. no Dark Hawk, Dark uh, Dark Hawk was there. He's in the big room. So like that cover is just a ruse. Oh, is it the very it's... the the whole first act of this book? Um, what is it? Star Fox. Yeah. Star Fox assemble. So this is. Did, did either of you read that Thanos legacy one shot no. um, after he got killed? Nope. This is a sequel to that. In that issue, which was written by um, Homeboy Donny Cates here and Jerry Dugan, um, the Cosmic Ghost Rider finds the body of the you know the this newly severed head body of uh, Thanos decides to piss on it like good riddance actually pisses fire on it. Oh. While that's happening, Star Fox, Eros shows up, Star Fox, uh, Thanos' brother, um, pushes the weirdo away, like, get, get away, um, cuts into Thanos' body's chest and pulls out this device, which is the last will and testament of. So, this, and then it ends. This issue is kind of viewing that last will and testament. He assembles, Eros assembles pretty much every single cosmic entity that isn't an over wrought do-gooder you know like you got the star jammers in there dark hawk um the other guardians 3000 yeah Yeah, tons of people to pretty much say um anybody that might potentially be the new thanos we have to just kill them preemptively well so imperial guard are in there um yeah and uh like they basically yeah they they want to kill Gamora as well, which is why they didn't invite the other Guardians. Well, the impetus for this is Thanos, you know, he's got this uh, hologram that shows up to give his last will and testament. And his last will and testament is basically like, fuck you guys. I've uploaded my my consciousness into someone else. So someone's going to become the new Thanos. Eat a dick. And then peace. So uh, then they'd start talking about, like, who could it possibly be? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's essentially they're, they're... They're putting together a kill list of the people it could possibly be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as soon as they kind of... You know what? Before they even have the the argument of if this is right or wrong, they get attacked by the Black Order. Mm-hmm. The body is stolen. And every single person in that room except four people gets sucked into a rip in space and time. Yeah. So 
you introduce all like 30 cosmic characters and it's going to be like, oh, this is a huge roster, crazy book, kind of like, you know, Hickman's Avengers. And no, we're just going to get rid of all of them right away and give you a uh, Thor horse. <laughs> the Thor's. <laughs> Thor's, uh, some alternate dimension people, um, Mark's favorite character, Cosmic Ghost Rider, and ad hoc throw them in the way of the Guardians of the Galaxy, and now you have this like thrown-together team, kind of like New Avengers style, where just all these people ended up at the raft, and now they're the New Avengers team. See, I disagree. I think that this cover that we're looking at just hasn't, they haven't come together yet. So I think Silver Surfer and Dark Hawk and a couple of the other cats who Adam are sucked into that John are going to come back in like issue two or three. We'll see. But Maybe. I, I, don't I enjoyed know. this. I loved it. This is Abnett and Landing style. Awesome. Yeah. What'd you think, Mark? Uh, I, I, I liked portions of it. Um, I think that we talked about extreme you know about yeah. that stuff last time and i think donny cates is trying for the extreme like swinging for the 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 cheap seats and and totally whiffing on the ball um it's like you know groot sharpening up is his things that's so extreme <laughs> he's got a mohawk and i i i hate everything about this Cosmic, Cosmic Ghost, Ghost Rider. Rider. <laughs> it is the worst character to be forced upon us in, <laughs> in comics since Dupe. I like um, him. It's just, I like him too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, wait. Uh, name one thing in his, that he says that is anything like that would that would come from Frank Castle's mouth. Nothing. I mean, if if it were if it were any other character, I would I would be probably okay with it. But this is not Frank Castle. Not in a million years. I don't care well, yeah, what in a the million hell. Years. Well, so, so I in a million I, years, yeah, sure, but still, Frank Castle would still not be this Ghost Rider. There's no reason why he should be in this universe, and he's. It's just, it's like just make up a new character. Just don't. I'm don't, okay with that. Don't too, call actually. him. Don't call him Frank. Frank Castle. Just call him something else. I I think it's a funny conceit that, um, you take the most dedicated, staunch character, and then drive him mad with the power cosmic and you get this crazy thing a million years later i actually think that's pretty funny yeah but i get what you're saying it is like a, it's a betrayal of the character yeah but i think that's the joke and that's why imagine it don't really if, me. well imagine if they did that with uh with batman you know it's basically the same thing like all of a sudden they that would that would bug me I mean, I, I'm not particularly in love with the Batman who laughs, but I guess that's basically what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's You but, know what? If this if this overtook, like like Frankencastle, if this right. overtook the current version of Punisher that actually, like, you know, Punisher Prime, then yeah. I think I would feel really weird about it. But that it exists on a, you know, corner of the universe that no one's paying attention to and a possible future of this character that we'll never actually see turn out, yeah. that doesn't bother me. I think I get a, it. This is this is current current continuity. No, I understand that, yeah, but it, he is an alternate version of this character that's yeah. been traveling it's not through time. Frank. Yeah, it's not it's Frank. our Frank right now. Yeah, well, I think that's what well, I didn't like about Frank and Castle. I was like, that's in continuity, current. That's our Frank Castle. He's a Frankenst. What are we doing? <laughs> so the fact that he, but again, we know Mark doesn't like alternate realities, true, true. which is what What's, that is. That's a future alternate reality, right? Yeah. So I, I, I get it. Yes, but but uh, you know, I I guarantee. Within the next six months, we are going to see Punisher versus Cosmic Punisher, um, written by Donny Cates, and that's what's kind of annoying. You know how uh, I don't know. There are certain there are certain writers who 
basically every time they get on a book, you know you're going to see this character because it's like their character their that pet, they create, yeah, the they created, character. and they like have to drag him into everything. Yeah. It's kind of like Dan Jurgens and Booster Gold. Um, you know, he's got to drag Booster Gold into like every story that he writes. Um, mm-hmm. There's always a time travel booster gold one um i don't mind that one because i kind of like booster gold as a character but then there are other guys that just like it's like oh god here we go we're gonna we're gonna see another i don't know no i know exactly what you mean yeah but and and it just feels like it's just it's just the writer uh he couldn't get a ghost rider series a cosmic ghost rider series so he says okay screw it i'll just take guardians of the galaxy and put ghost rider in there and give him funny lines and everybody's gonna giggle mm-hmm. except I- me I so, uh, two things. One, this feels to me so I like Deadpool as a concept, but hated all Deadpool books because it just doesn't hold. Me too. It doesn't carry me. Yeah, me but too. him being a part of a team, uh, first like the way Rick Remender used him in all, in, in Uncanny oh, X Force. Like you've got you've got this side character that is just shouldn't make sense. Is kind of stupid and is able to just kind of comment on what's happening around the scenes, and that's what it seems like they're going to use him for. Would I read a Cosmic Ghostwriter book? No. But him being like a part of this weird dichotomy, I think it's kind of cool. And the other thing too is we're reading this in digital. I actually picked up the the um, the print, and it is different in its pacing, and it almost sucks that it's not in it in the book uh, in the digital version like this. What? So right here, this last page of the team being assembled. This is my new crew. Yeah, this is my new crew, and then. The uh, Ghost Cosmic Rider. Ghost Rider saying, no, no, I, I signed up to be a member of the dam. It's actually a double-page black spread, almost like this was an entire cold open for a movie uh-huh. with a huge sprawling title and credits. Like, oh, it was, weird. It was this really great like pacing hit where you, know, you read the, the line and the line gets finished by like the break of the fourth wall and the movie being introduced that you're right. about to enjoy this. Like, yeah. It was – it was See, just a I, really what fun read. About, what I liked about this version that we read, which doesn't have that double page spread that says yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, it's just a really big font, Guardians oh, of the Galaxy. I was kind of like, yeah. I like, I like that the editor, the so, so-called editor of the film, just cut it there, and then he doesn't finish the sentence because you already know what he's going to say. So then it just yeah. cuts directly to. Meanwhile, I actually really liked that take on it. I, I like that it he was, didn't give it to us. It was just like you know, because you know, there's that. What is that from? Where there's like, was it Family Guy or something or? They're at a movie, and someone says the name of the movie in the movie, and he goes, "Ah, that's the name of the movie." Yeah, you know what I mean. That's <laughs> it. It was what I got, uh, sitting in bed reading it, and it was just like la la la, and then it just it hits, and it, it felt immediately like a, you know, a, the best version of a '90s yeah. action flick where you have a cold open that's just like is enticing enough, and just it slams out a title. It was I, just really I, cool. I totally understand what Mark is saying, and if it was a different character, I think I. I would be on the same page, but because it's Frank and because they've done so many weird, shitty things with him, <laughs> like the the Marvel Knights, where he was like, angel. I'm a demon who summons ghost guns or some shit. Um, and then Frank what and if Castle. It was, what if it was Peter Parker? I, I've read so many alternate versions of Peter, too. I don't care. <sighs> you know, there was the one where he's like in, what was it, in uh, Paradise X or Earth X or whatever, where he's like fat and he's not Spider-Man anymore and he can't do it. That made me yeah. sad, <laughs> but you know well, that's kind of what they did with Spider Verse too. Into the Spider Verse. Oh, that's true. But anyway. I liked him. But anyway, I thought this was a bunch of fun. I'm definitely on for the ride. I I disagree with you, Noel. Mm-hmm. I want to go back and I want to read that miniseries, the Cosmic Ghost Rider miniseries. 
And oh, then yeah. there's a second miniseries coming, Ghost Rider, like, fucks Marvel Timeline or something. I forget what it's called, but... Oh, okay. It's, is Kate's also writing that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is his Deadpool. Yeah. It's just annoying. It's like, get, get a new character. And the thing is, that's not even a Marvel character, so wh- why... You know, why are you writing for Marvel? I mean, it's not really I mean, it's a it's a Marvel character, but it's it's like his own version of the thing. And I I don't know. I guess he's just trying to make a thing out of it, like like how Liefeld did Deadpool. And, uh, you know, he's trying to invent his own iconic thing. But you don't make an iconic thing by by putting two other like schmelding two other characters together. That's not how you make an iconic character. This is just a a what it what if gone wrong, I think. Okay. Spider Gwen is not an iconic character. But, uh, she's beloved. Um, not by me. <laughs> <laughs> so let me one one quick question before we move on. Does the presence of Cosmic Ghost Rider mean you're not going to read this book, or are you going to be able to get through it? Like, do you enjoy the book aside from Cosmic Ghost Rider? Because it's not like he has got any. He's got like two lines in this book. Hmm. I will probably go through this as if it were a plate full of delicious mashed potatoes, succulent turkey, uh, wonderful, like a wonderful cornbread biscuits and fucking and fucking cauliflower. (laughs) I think you're going to say like, no, I see the cauliflower is the part he doesn't like. Yeah. Okay. I get it. I would, if if I have to finish the plate, I will (laughs) probably throw the mashed potatoes all over it and try to eat it. So I read that as, Albino Besi- broccoli. Beside <laughs> yourself, you still recognize how enjoyable this issue is, and that makes me happy. I feel like that's almost a win. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I I honestly saw some other people in that room that I really wanted to see uh-huh. uh, on this team. Um, uh, specifically, oh, me too. Yeah. Like some, I, I mean, I really think that the Star, Star Jammers are a fun group and have really got not what was got that, What was that great, that great Rucka miniseries the, with the young Cyclops and he joined the Star Jammers? Like it was, yeah, actually, yeah. it was Cyclops, wasn't it? It was Cyclops, yeah. But that it, was it such really a great focused. like twelve issues yeah. of them in space. Yeah, it really was, and they were they're a cool team. Um, there are a lot of like guys in there. Like I, I really like uh, I, I'm I miss Silver Surfer. I know Dan Slott had his had that, but I was never really into Dan Slott's Silver Surfer. It felt kind of wonky. Um, yeah. But there still, I mean, I love I I loved a lot of those 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 cosmic characters and i don't think they get the the attention they deserve but i do like moon dragon i like it that uh, her and phyla have this relationship and i'd love to see that kind of grow um i don't know there there's a lot of there's a lot of potential here um one of my favorite characters is gladiator i think that he's he's there really marvel is missing out and not uh making him the superman of the marvel universe and they keep on trying with sentry but really gladiator would be an amazing superman uh I do Four. not. I do not disagree. Yeah. I, well, you know what? I, I I'm looking at this again too. That first, the first page of this. This book is going to go everywhere. The first page of this book is touches on Gladiator and the Imperium, um, mm-hmm. the Thunder, or um, the Clintar, the the Venom alien race, Kree and Skull War. Yeah. This is going to be. Yeah. This might be really really fun. The Inhumans, which yeah. Um, that miniseries was. Good, did, but had it, it had a terrible end. Well, it had a very anticlimactic ending, so maybe they'll pick up that thread. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm in for this book. I'm excited. I'll check it out. All right. So, 
Naomi number one from DC Comics, Wonder Comics. So DC has a new uh, teen imprint of uh, books that are aimed at the slightly younger audience. And last, was it last week or two weeks ago, we talked about Young Justice, which I I really love personally. Mm -hmm. You mean... Oh, yeah, Young Justice, sorry. Yeah. And then, so here's Naomi Naomi number one by Brian Michael Bendis and Jamal Walker. And oh, David Walker. David so Walker? written by Brian Michael Bendis and David F. Walker, oh. drawn by Jamal Campbell. You're right. Thank you yeah. so much. I was flipping to it, and I fucked it up. Uh-huh. So basically, we have a really good pre-credit sequence yeah. in this one issue, which did not give me enough... Um, this could have been shortened down uh, so that we would get two issues and one issue, I think. This just did not... I was excited to read it because it was a new character. It's a new person of color, um, which, you know, everyone complains when characters are changed and they want to create a new character of color. So I was excited for a new character of color um, who I've never seen before and the biggest mystery of the DC universe, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And then we just get basically the pre-credit sequence. Mm-hmm. Before the story starts. It's like a zero issue. It's a zero. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. But with that said, I really, really like it. Yeah, no, especially, that's what I'm saying. It's a good pre-credit sequence. Especially for Jamal Campbell. Oh, his art's real good. Uh, but his panel layout is mm-hmm. fantastic. And the way that he kind of articulates motion. So there's two specific sequences. Um, so the, the beginning of this book, um, this small town is affected by a 15-second visit. What's the name Superman. of the town? Uh, small town? No. I don't know. They never, they never name it. Fawcettville. No, they did. <laughs> Where? Um, here, you guys keep talking. I'll look. Uh, so it, this this sequence of the aftermath, it's it's five um, landscape oh. panels. Port Oswego. So there's a sequence where Naomi is Googling the big Superman appearance that happened in the middle of her town that everyone's talking about, and she can't seem to find it anywhere, and she keeps Googling Superman Port Oswego. And what comes up is like, did you mean Superman Metropolis, Superman New York, Superman Gotham, blah, blah, blah. Too Uh, subtle. Too subtle for a first issue. (laughs) So there's a conversation between four people that happens in motion from left to right with the panel uh, separating, you know, parts of the street and they keep coming closer to you it was an awesome conversation of the way to depict it but then also um all of these friends in the woods at a party and it is a what five full double page spread long ways panels Mm -hmm. that is just beautiful like the art is beautiful the motion is beautiful and just the the conversation is so fun to listen like i'm i'm more than happy with this yeah is it beautiful yeah, is it is it fun to listen to, the, or, the, well, or to read, to read, or to, to read? Well, I have people read it to me, <laughs> so it was fun to listen to. Uh, I hire actors for every comic book that I read with air quotes. This is everything I hate about Bendis. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I and I like, I like, I've I've grown to like Bendis's stuff, but this is the kind of non-active, uh, non interesting uh and it's it it, it's not that jd you said it was like let's do a person of color um in a a book why don't you do an original one an original character in a book yeah it's it's an interesting character and i don't think this character's really interesting how is this character interesting really that's what i'm saying that's why i was saying about the pre-credit sequences i don't think we get enough in this first issue 
to make people want to try the second issue and to make me want to try the second issue. I'm going to because I like Bendis so much. Um, but I can understand coming into this and being like, well, nothing has happened. Why do I care? And who is this girl? Why do I care? We don't have enough yet. That's my that's my take on it. Yeah. There's a lot of better books out there just by Young Justice. This is not – I mean if, if, if this is – I mean it, this was really hyped, this – this first issue of this and to get through this entire thing um especially that that sequence where it's just i would much rather have one nice uh one nice big splash page with some stuff going on and i i I get it the sun and the sun going down in the background is is nice for that double page spread but it's like so many fucking words and it's like it's just the lack of editing in here is just it's frustrating there's just stuff there's just nothing nothing happening and all it's just these kids who i don't know you only meet really the the kind of uh you know just the the kind of her her kind of chunky little friend and her and then there's i guess the goth girl from beetlejuice is in it uh too (laughs) it's like those are the only three that we really get to meet the other the other ones the other ones we don't even we don't know their names we don't know their personalities they're just it's like why did why did we get that scene um, when none of these characters and what they say is really relevant because you can't attach it to any kind of character. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I, I the, the conversation that they have in the park, which is what you mentioned, that does have yeah. relevance to her getting the next thread of this mystery that she's uncovering about her own self. But I, that's fair. I, I don't know. I, I This very much felt to me like the first issue of Ultimate Spider-Man. It was five issues of getting to know this version of Peter Parker before it ever got anywhere towards putting on a costume. I'm not saying that that's where this this issue, like this story is going. I don't know if she's going to become a superhero. I know nothing about her. But I was intrigued and happy with these people, especially the art of this book. So I'm, I'm personally, I'm in. Uh, I mean, I, I, the art, you got to, you got to do something with the words for, for me to to really want to want to read it, the continue to read it. Words didn't bother me either. I didn't uh, think this was overly th- written. This is more of Bendis's conversational style, his mm-hmm. mammoth speak, mammoth speak that he like kind of went overboard with when he first started at Marvel. Mm-hmm. That I was really, I mean, that turned me off of of his stuff for a long time. I think that the later he went in with Marvel, and the more he he realized that he could trust his artists. Um, to me, it feels like this feels more like a first time writer, like writing and not really considering the, the beautiful artwork. I, and, and yeah, the artwork looks great, but I think that it would look much better with less gigantic word balloons all around. Well, I mean, I'm looking at a page right here and there's only one word balloon it's in one two three four five six seven panels and then there's one word balloon so i don't think he's not letting his artist do his job and then the next page has one two three four uh panels of silence as well before the the conversation starts up so um i feel that way sometimes mark like there's certain times where i'll open up a book and i always feel like such an asshole saying it but i'm like look at all these words <laughs> um yeah. But it really does sometimes feel a little daunting to read certain writers. Um, for whatever reason, there's a flow to Bendis's 
dialogue that even though it looks like a lot of words to me, I tend to blow right through it very quickly. So um, I get what you're saying, but it just didn't have that effect on me here. He has done that in the past, which I want, I want to say maybe things like Goldfish, mm-hmm. uh, Jessica Jones, where you open a page and it's one panel and then both sides of the page are literally just script. Yeah. Early Daredevil was like yeah. that. Um, yeah. And, and I don't know. You can get away with that with a book like Ultimate Spider-Man because it's a Spider-Man book and it's Marvel and it, it's going to sell. Uh, it's it's going to sell on that alone, I think. Um, uh, a book called Naomi with a character that no one knows and, and, and like that, I just don't see... I don't see this being as big of a hit as like an ultimate yeah. spider. No, I agree. Um, this, this guy at the end, I'm like, how is this? Why? I mean, like, why is the Hulk in this book, <laughs> you know, with tribal tats and everything like that? It's like, this guy is enormous. I mean, not even to a point of like, it's, it's like they get all the shapes of the girls, like nice and realistic and everything. And yet they put Thanos in there at the end. <laughs> well, I'm wondering, you know, part of the mystery is what happened, what superhero or supernatural event happened 17 years ago, the day that this kid was adopted. Um, and it's entirely possible that maybe he was a supervillain or something at the time. And now he's settled down and, and lives his life here. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure, but he yeah. is a huge dude. No, I get I get that. Uh, I just think that the stakes were so low and that there's there. It's like if this is the way he's going to be telling this story the mystery is not enough for me to want to be around for the second issue. I mean, I'll read it for the podcast, but I'm not going to, that's, this is not a book I'm going to go out of my way. I, yeah. I mean, he, he just, he was so good with, with young justice two weeks ago. And to see this, it was, I think it's a huge step backwards as far as his writing is concerned. Cause like that first issue of young justice was just bam, 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 just like so fast. Uh, and I love that kind of like storytelling, but this is the this is the trade waiting storytelling that I can't I, I just can't get behind. I agree with that, but the reason I like it is because it's you know certain writers you pick up and it's like oh, oh like you know what Garth Ennis, Garth Ennis I read Preacher I loved it so much and then I read The Boys and I was like oh it's just kind of more of the same. So yeah. what I what I like is that Bendis as a writer tries different things for different books and that kind of doesn't always work. There's so many times yeah. where it doesn't work. I think Scarlet doesn't work. I thought I thought that what was that book? Um, Cover, Super or something. It was um, brilliant. It was brilliant with um, Bagley. Mark, ba- Mark Bagley. That Super didn't Bagley. work. Um, so yeah, I like that he does different techniques for different books, so that you're not just getting Young Justice again this month. Well, I think, I think yeah. Young Justice is tomatoes, tomatoes compared to this because he was able to leverage the fact that these are all, if not iconic characters already, they're adjacent to iconic characters. So, like, you didn't have to spend that much time on somebody named Ginny Hex or Teen Lantern because they were – get it. They're clearly amalgams of or, or descendants in a way of, of he needs to spend characters. Some, he needs to spend some time on Jenny Hex's face with a hatchet. Yeah, he does. Oh. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the conversation is always gets better when it's talking about mutilating a young teenager's face. <laughs> Maybe if, if there was a hatchet mauling in this book, I would have yeah. been a little bit 
it's 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 got everything except the hatchet. There's there's teenagers and they're just looking to get hatcheted. Not, not one teenager got hatcheted in the face in this <laughs> no, book. See, Half a star. I am looking I, I keep on seeing these previews to Wonder Twins. I'm interested in it. I'm not reading these I do you guys read the previews at the end of the books? Never. No. I try not to either. Because um, I know I we're like, gonna read it for the the show. Yeah, yeah, but all it, we do yeah, is number it, ones. <laughs> and it never, it, it always cuts off. It always cuts off at a weird time, and I just, you know, I would rather read a whole issue. And you um, know, that's that's kind of the problem I have with this Naomi issue is that this entire issue, like twenty four pages, feels like the back of another book showing you a preview. Yeah, that's my problem with this issue. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's, let's, anything? But else? the art is yeah. good. But I agree, oh, the art God, is yeah, really the art's good. great. Uh, all right, so I did not read it, but let's talk about Oliver by Gary Witta and Derek Robertson. Speaking, Speaking of, of the, the boys. boys yeah. uh, and this is from what publisher? Image. Image. So you guys you guys take it away. Please, sir, can I have some more? Oh, wait, are you saying that this is a, a metaphor or an allegory for Oliver? It's a modern retelling of Oliver Twist. What? I didn't it's get like that. A- a future version of Oliver Twist. I'm being sarcastic. Yeah. Uh, do you want? Uh, <laughs> you you go ahead, Mark. <laughs> he sounded so dejected. Oh. No, I I love the part where they all sit there and they admire his penis. <laughs> well, they admire it like a "what is that" kind yeah. of thing. That can't be is normal. That what they're, I I don't know if that's what they're doing or if, if he's like a, some kind of alien. Maybe he's got a third nipple. I I don't know. What are they looking at? I don't I know. Guess but they're, they're holding at, up a naked baby, and it's just like. That's not normal. What the look hell at, is that? Look at the look on a, of horror on the face <laughs> behind the guy. Yes, <laughs> it's just like a giant hog or a, a crazy face or a mouth on his stomach. I don't know. Maybe he's got Uatu from. Uh, yeah, he's a little baby from, Uatu. Uh, is it Guatu? Guat uh, Guato. Guato. Although, although, granted, that's what the nurse did when my uh, mom had me. <laughs> <laughs> I hear pray tell. They still talk about it. it. Either way, this is this is a weird book. Um, I don't dislike yeah. it. But, give give no, me the no. 15 seconds plot. What is it? In um, the near future. In the, in the near post-a- post-a- Sorry. Yeah, it's like a post-apocalyptic future, I guess. Oh, this was just three years later. I didn't. I just caught that. Yeah, the but, kid grows up super fast. Yeah, oh. so there's this, uh, there's this pregnant lady running through. She's in like a toxic suit. She's running through uh, London, the ruins of London. Um, apparently, uh, and, and she, has a, she has a baby. All these guys that basically look the same, except they all have different kind of scars. Um, they uh, they help the lady give birth, but then the the girl, the lady, the woman dies. So uh, there's this debate on whether they should keep the baby uh, or they should just kill it. And uh, there's a compassionate guy there with a with an eye patch, um, and he says, "Yes, well, let's keep it." They all sort of look like Bruce Willis. Um, <laughs> all these characters. Um, and it turns out that three years later, there there is some type of secret going on that we don't know what's going on yet. But they do give away that um, in order to fight a war that was was waging through the entire uh, earth, I guess. I guess it was another world war. Mm-hmm. Uh, London cloned, a, like learned how to clone soldiers, and so that's why all these soldiers look alike. And so, um, yeah. And then but, after after a bunch of bombs went off and the war was quote unquote over. Um, they didn't want to keep or know what to do with the clone soldiers, so they made them go live out in 
the, the wastelands and the ruins where the air was so toxic that nothing else but them could breathe it. So you've got this pregnant lady who seemingly was running away from whoever she was having a baby for or with um, end up in this camp, have the kid die because she was toxic or because the air was toxic to her. Did you know that you're toxic? And, and then, yep. And then um, what I was confused about and or found interesting, I'm not sure which way it went yet, was um, the kid grew up really fast, yeah. seems to have capabilities – or, like, you know, can jump really high and run really fast. and uh, You know he's weird because he's got white hair. He's got white kid. hair. But they mention early on, like, the kid may, you know, be able to breathe because, you know, when a when a child is born of two different parents, it can have the attributes of one or the other. Yeah. So, so does that mean that the kid is half clone, half is something he half, else? Or, maybe alien? Maybe there was an alien. Maybe the whole war was not like a us fighting us, that it was more like there was an alien. Maybe, like but thing. but yeah. if they were so – I don't, th- th- at first I thought like maybe the kid is half clone, right? Yeah. yeah. But they seem to be all confused about birth and genitalia. So yeah. like – Maybe they don't have any, and I don't well, know. Well, they were happening. bred for they were bred, bred for, just war. for war. Yeah, yeah. They didn't have time to teach them like like you know health class or anything, <laughs> sex education. But um, yeah, I, I mean, you're not wrong because the only thing that they really uh, uh, introduce in here that's like any way that we can kind of attach some kind of rhyme and reason to it is the fact that they he told them about the cloning, and so yeah, uh, so it could be that he's part clone. Now it also could be that they're going to bust out with aliens in the next issue, which I think that's a little bit of a mistake. I think if you're going to have, I mean, I, I get it that you, you don't want to show everything in your first issue, but you want to make it so that that first issue gives a snippet of what type of book this is. And I don't know if this book is completely successful at doing that. I, I, I agree with you. And also too, if this is, if this is meant to be a, you know, modern retelling or, or metaphoric version of Oliver, than it being an alien invasion is just very weird because the, the whole yeah. idea of, of 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 like these types of scenarios and or or the type of story that Oliver is it's it's humanity's humanity and their lack thereof. Mm-hmm. So it yeah. being it would only make sense to me if it was a, a problem or predicament that was only bore out of humans and not from an outsiding outside force. Yeah, or if it's like a Planet of the Apes scenario where basically all the humans are dead. And yeah, all you got are all you have left are just these clones of Bruce Willis. When he started telling, when he started, <laughs> when he started telling the story, I actually thought that all humanity was dead, and it was yeah. just you know occupied by clones the whole place, and Which maybe she was the last lady or one of the last ladies yeah. who had maybe. a clone baby. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's enough to be interested to maybe read the second issue, but ev- if anything, I'm like more interested in the story, not necessarily this comic. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I like I, I like the artwork. I think it's really oh, it's Derek um, Robertson. He's always he's always good. Yeah, yeah, and I, I do like um, he's he makes these characters even though they're all clones of the same person. He makes them all kind of distinct, which is nice with all the different scarring and everything. So that's kind of cool. Um, it's just a smart way of like storytelling and also saying how like these clones have been through hell. You know, they they this is a decimated world and all these clones are, are pretty decimated as well um but uh yeah I, I i like a little bit more 
Um, this I, I definitely got into this story a lot more than Naomi, um, just mm-hmm. because it, it gives you a little bit more to chew on. I think for the for this entire. So if if we want to compare the two, I think I think it's almost a classic version of like this was very plot setup heavy, mm-hmm. and then just some nuggets of character. Whereas Naomi yeah. was very very character build heavy, and yeah. very few nuggets of propelling the plot. Mm-hmm. So like yeah, if we're gonna compare the two, then clearly like one's got a strength in one place, and the other one's got a strength in another place. Yeah, definitely. And, and uh, I liked the the conundrum that the, the like that the only person. It reminds me a little bit of like Mowgli and Jungle Book, where it's like there he's he's this outcast thing, and all of the other people want to kill him, but instead of that, they they keep him and and like train him to survive. So it's like a human version of the Jungle Book so far. But I, I'm not too familiar with uh, Oliver Twist, the whole story of it. So. I think I saw the movie ages ago, but I, I don't remember the entire story uh, or much more than just that one part that I was just saying. Please, uh-huh. uh, and they actually have the cover of that on the next book. The next book is the cover of him holding up a bowl uh, for the for some guy in a shotgun. The gimp with the shotgun. <laughs> the next page, next cover. I think it's essentially just just an orphan that uh, it's it's like a has a weird dick. Yeah, that's that's exactly what Oliver is. It's an orphan. Maybe he's got that's like, why they call well, him Oliver Twist. An orphan that that runs off and and tries to make it on its own and it's, meeting it's characters along the way. Corkscrew penis. Yeah, it's like a it's duck. A, it's got a, it's got a twist to it. It's like, it's like a balloon, power. like a balloon animal. Like an M Night Shyamalan penis. So a yes. twisty penis. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yes, maybe. Oh, okay. Uh, I like this. Um, I'd be interested to see where it goes. Maybe we can. We've been reading number twos on some books, so maybe we can grab number two of this. I'm sure we'll get number two of Naomi as well. So. I'm down. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Shazam number one. Shaz- God damn it. Shazam? I need to stop doing that. Shazam number two from Jeff Johns and... Not Dale Eaglesham. Wow. Already. Not Dale Eaglesham. Marco Santucci. Mm-hmm. Wow, that was a real quick artist switch. Yeah. Now, I didn't read number one either. But you guys, you were going book, super hot on it. Were was you? this book late? Yeah, it must have been. It's, yeah, it's got that timely Christmas cover. Yeah. <laughs> um, what did you think about this, Mark? Man, if, if I, I, I know that, uh, like, you know, I love me some Jeff Johns, but mm-hmm. I am not loving this this series. Um, yep, it, it's just moving. If this is the pacing that we're going to be getting for the entire uh book like this entire series man this is too slow i mean you've got you've got eight characters you've got eight kids i think or no how many kids maybe not eight and it could be six, four six to seventeen i don't know yeah, i don't know <laughs> I, and again we still don't know any of their any of these characters and the only ones we really follow are freddie and uh billy in this issue and a little um, bit of mary yeah a little bit of mary but uh and you've got all of these realms that that are options for them to go into. Why not split the kids up and put it like pair them up and have them two by two go into different ones so that we get we get a little character of these other kids. Um, and and, you know, it tells a story instead of doing this. I get it. Like Jeff Johns wants to, like, have it be a big adventure where you go into each of the realms and you and each they have an adventure in each one. But I think that it's uh, like from a storytelling way and from us getting to know these characters 
kind of perspective. It's just not it doesn't work. It's it's not working. There are all these other kids. What's the what's the 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 kind of little weird looking kid doing? What's the bigger, chunkier kid doing? What's the other little girl with the glasses doing? I, I have no clue. All we do is follow around with these kids and those kids are not are like off panel somewhere. Uh, I'm I'm not going to disagree with you. Uh, this is it's it's so much story. It's kind of boring. Yeah. Um. So you've got at the onset of this issue. You've got who per- appears to be the real father of Billy Batson showing up. Um, yeah. All the kids are in this giant station with seven tunnels. One is boarded up. Each one goes to a different land. They decide to go to Funland. All of this other shit happens. And I still don't know names. I still don't know what the hell's really going on. But it's a bunch. Of, yeah. It's a bunch of kids being whimsical in magic. The only thing that I really kind of dug about this issue was the side track with Doctor Savannah. <laughs> yeah, who's got who yeah. I didn't know the, has Mister Mr. Mr. Mind in his head. <laughs> yeah, Mister Mind is in his head, and he's got a lightning eye. I totally forgot that he has a lightning eye. Yeah, this oh. for this this new Fifty Two or Rebirth version of Savannah can see magic because he got like zapped in the face, right? Okay. Like Wait, I just I, I just got that because he explained it to me in this issue, but before that I was not aware that that was what the character was. But, yeah, it was super uh, awesome. But but yeah. the the one specific scene that I loved was him stealing the tongue of the physician and yeah. dropping the book, and it just gave us it gave us a recap of Mister Mind, which I thought was fantastic because yeah. I remembered what he looked like, but I didn't really remember him. Oh yeah, um, I love Mister. I love Mister Mind. I like. That's that's what Jeff Johns is good at. It's selling some of these kind of quirkier characters and making it kind of uh, you know fun to read. And I think I wish we were doing that instead well, of uh, like two pages of, of Savannah and two pages of uh, this uh, guy showing up at Billy Batson's place. That's not enough. Those are the interesting parts. That's of the, the story. interesting part of the story. Exactly. Yeah, and the rest of them is just these nameless kids going around these tunnels and. One is like the the girl with the, the the girl with the glasses and the ponytail and the pigtails. She is so stupid. I mean, it's just the way she talks. It's just can we go do this? Can we? It's like I, yeah, she's young, but it doesn't mean you have to write her as a as a as a just a mental reject, you know. So I don't know. So I I am not a giant. I'm not a very big fan of this book so far. But it's double page splash, uh, double page splashes like the the Mister Mind book that. I yeah. love John's for, and I have still have hope because this one, these two pages have do so much work. Like they introduce mm-hmm. you to a, a character that was kind of like shown before and gives you the, the background, but it also uh, shows you what Savannah's doing, yeah, ripping the tongue out shadow. of you. But even more interesting is if you read all of it, it tells you at the end that you know Mister Mind was defeated, blah blah blah, with you know the combined might of Solomon, Hercules, Atlas, Zeus, Achilles, Mercury, who are the seven gods of Shazam. But then yeah. it says, and, you know, exclamation point, like a, a, a gap to stop mm-hmm. Mr. Mind. So it's, it kind of subtly gives you that thing that there's, there's another God. Mm-hmm. Who he's going to like seed and introduce. And then at the end of this issue, he does. And, and it's annoying, but still like that double page yeah. spread is so John's ish. And I miss that shit. I really yeah. miss that shit. Well, it's that kind of like uh, it's that OCD sort of thing where in Justice Society, he uh, he had to reboot and revamp every character from the past, no matter what, 
everybody had a revamp or a reboot, uh, like a current character. Some of them, it was just like you had the old character and you had the new character as well, like Wildcat and you mm-hmm. had the new Wildcat. Um, like with, with, uh, Green Lantern, we had Roy G. Biv, and he went to fill out the whole color spectrum. And it's like this, you've got these seven realms, and so he's going to go and, and explain the differences between the seven realms. We're all going to we're going to get that in this story, it seems. And that's fine. Um, but you got the reason why it worked with Justice Society and um, Green Lantern is we had we had Hal Jordan to follow the entire time, or we had the known members of the Justice Society. Uh, to follow the whole time as we were going through this kind of maze of discovery of these things. And here, I don't think we get enough time with Billy Batson or Freddie or Mary. Um, and we certainly don't know these any of these other characters. It's just a lack of focus of who to follow in this book mm-hmm. that I think it's really lacking. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with you. Like, it's, it's, um, it's, it's all plot and it's missing a foothold. It's, it's missing... Yeah. Uh, a central point maybe maybe that'll change because uh, but these first two issues are just so rushed and, and a little yeah. rough i wonder if he was hurrying to get it out before uh shazam comes out in theaters maybe yeah but that's like april that's that's seven that's, issues in a trade before that's true, I mean, that's true. yeah he didn't have to go that drop hard. number one in a, in a month or two from now yeah it's yeah still he had more fine. time yeah yeah um, all right, Uncanny X Men Annual Number One by Ed Brisson and Carlos Gomez. I have I, there was a, a <laughs> weekly series for Uncanny X Men. I read issue one, I guess, about twelve weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I haven't read a single issue since then, but I was curious because of all the Cyclops on the cover of this book. So uh, I do- I dove into this, and and it really did well. Uh, let me rethink my statement before I say it. I was about to say it did a really good job of catching me up. It did a good job of catching me up because I read Death of X. I read, you know, all the things where he died, Avengers versus um, Inhumans, mm. stuff like that. So um, it caught me up from where I left off with Cyclops, but um, I haven't read any of the uncanny stuff. This this whole issue is the last five minutes of a Shyamalan movie where they go <laughs> back and show you cutscenes. <laughs> and the twist explained on how this. So, what was out. the twist? Just that Scott showed just up. Just that he's alive now. Okay, cool. Okay, but, but it, they, it went back Phoenix... and showed you everything else. Well, he had the Phoenix Force. In, in, well, yeah, that, that's and... the why. I mean, like this whole issue though is setting up him saving a person ten years ago, and that person being responsible for making this thing, and, yeah. and this thing being responsible for trapping Reviving this. And then, him. yeah, like it was, it was literally just like showing cutscenes to get to the big twist of how to resurrect Scott nice. Summers. Yeah. I mean, it worked yeah. for me. Uh, I, I liked it. I didn't feel lost. I thought I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I enjoyed reading it. Um, yeah, for some reason, Uncanny X Men as a weekly book is just too much for me. I can't can't keep up. So, Mark, have you been reading it? Uh, I I've been sort of mildly following the Uncanny X Men stuff. I I and uh, what I'm disappointed in is, is just that they I think they have just way too big of a cast um, in that weekly book and. But some of those characters, they have not, like, I challenge anyone to go back on that whole, like, six-issue series that they did and find one line from Cannonball. Um, they have not, they, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, they have characters in there, and they're just there to kind of fill out a splash page. Um, and it's like, they have really nothing to do. It's just, it's it's frustrating, because it's like, the focus is on Madrox, X-Man, 
and uh, yeah, I don't know who else. But with the whoever was were the big bad characters. They they it, it, for some reason it anyway that that whole run just kind of left me cold. But this issue was uh, probably the best X Men book I've read in a long time. I, I just think it's I it, it despite the fact that the villain was kind of a um, generic villain. It's kind of like big giant robot guy. Basically, he just has he just controls a robot. You've seen that character like a million times. <laughs> uh, but uh, I mean, he's like the Spidey Slayer. Um, but um, I think he really uh, that Brisson did a really good job of telling the story and just like having it unfold and really making it. I mean, there's some there's some stuff that uh, you know I think it could have been told in a much clunkier way in a much less believable way. But the way Brisson was kind of framing it and uh and having the exposition kind of come out between uh in the argument between cable and uh and scott summers um i think that that was that worked really well because this is like the first time that cable is actually younger than scott summers right now Mm -hmm. uh which is it's like a reversal of what it what it was because cable came back as an old man uh back in back when he first came back and Scott Summers was younger. So it's kind of an interesting uh, way of setting up that relationship again, you know? I, um, I, I don't know. I guess I can echo everything you said because I pretty much agree with it. This is the most enjoyable issue of really anything X-Men that I've read in a really long time, I feel like. Yeah. Especially yeah. involving like the quote-unquote main or original cast or cast member. Mm-hmm. I, I never hated Scott Summers and yeah. them turning him into a bad guy. It's not like... It's not like something that, first of all, it's a bad guy with air quotes, but whatever. But it's it's not like something that it bothers me late at night kind of thing, like it does a lot of other uh, geeks. Yeah. But it never felt right, and it always felt um, disingenuous or reverse engineering conflict. For Scott Summers to be a dickhead? For Scott Summers to be a um, militant. I, I thought uh, like that radical. it was... I won't say a natural progression of the character, but I will say that it has been going towards this version of that character for a very long time. And so when it happened, not a single part of me was was surprised. When when Bendis was doing it, it made sense. And then when it turned after that into the Phoenix Force and him murdering people and all right. kinds of crazy stuff, it literally was just like, uh, they don't like Scott. They don't like Cyclops. Who can we kill off? Oh, that yeah. kind of thing. Right, I didn't like, I I kind of feel like it, it it was getting hinted that that was happening way back when he started dating the White Queen and you know uh, Emma Frost. It, it felt like he that was his kind of first step down the wrong path. Um, and and yeah, I'm with you, JD, a little bit that that I think that it, it it felt like a natural progression. But now I'm glad that now this is a redemption arc for him, and so it'll be it'll be nice to have. Oh like yeah, I agree. Back. I'm I'm bring, I'm happy to have him back and like on his way back to redemption. Yeah, bring like bring back that amazing version of Scott Summers that Joss Whedon created of yeah. just a silent straight era boy scout but badass. Yeah, like, or that that's uh, possible. That Greg, what? that Greg Rocca did uh, with, uh, with with we just Sy- talked yeah. about it earlier with us uh, the Star Jammers. I think that yeah. that was a really good version of the character too. Um, and they still made him complex. I mean, they, God, all the shit that he's gone through through the years. I mean, he lost his kid. He lost he lost Jean Grey. He lost he lost Madeline Pryor, which is funny. Thinking back on that, I I mean, I read the books all through that whole thing, but it just like 
just like that that it was revealed that Madeline Pryor was a clone and and that he really only dated Madeline Pryor uh, because she looked like Jean Grey. That's what and I'm it saying. Was such a, it it's was so, so fucked, fucked up. up. Yeah. It, it, well, it's, it's, a lot of old comics all, are really but, fucked up. Okay. I know, but we all read the read that, and we were along for the ride on that. Um, it, like, they had a baby, and, and then the baby was stolen. It's just like so much stuff um, has happened to him. It, it I, I I understand, like, the guy is, is probably – not uh not the boy scout he used to be but um it's i i think it's interesting interesting that that uh somewhere along the line i think person does a really good job of finding that core kind of uh goodness in the character that and he represents it really well here i think yeah no i i really enjoyed this issue now will will so what is happening with the x-men now so like it there's this no man or uh, age of x-men thing oh, happening age of x-men yeah yeah. So is that happening in the in the book, and or is this continuing in the book? Because like at the end of this, the X Men have disappeared. Like blah. And it's yeah, just I never. I I don't know if I finished Cyclops the and... whole series, but I I think it, it's the next next week we get Age of X Men number one, which basically I think they're off in another reality somewhere. <laughs> Um, in X Men's mind, or it's X Men and Legion, and they are they were battling each other, and, and I think it splintered them off into some. I don't know. They're gone. I don't care. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, well, yeah. I'm, I, I mean, don't really care. My, the the reason for my question was I want to I want to continue this story potentially, but mm-hmm. not all of the hullabaloo that's happening that I didn't give a shit about. Yeah. So is it going to happen in Uncanny? Or is this not going to be touched again? Like sometimes this happens in annuals where you get like a really good start to a story and then it really doesn't actually continue for a Months, year. Yeah, I think there was a reason why this was dropped this week because um, there wasn't an X book this week and the, the X Men series ended last week and now the next series is going to be this Age of X Men. I think that that's a weekly thing too, and so hopefully by the end of all of this, they will have like an X like an uncanny X-Men mm. book. that's just, just a monthly that hopefully has Scott back and, uh, pairs down the team makes it makes, makes it just, let's just, just tell stories with characters and not world ending things yeah. for a little while. You know, let I us agree. get to know the, we need to get to know the X-Men again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't, I think that we really haven't had that in a long time. So hopefully that happens soon. I mean, to be fair, X Men Blue had a book for many for a couple of years. X Men Red had a book. X Men Gold had a book for a couple of years. So, yeah, I just didn't care. I just didn't. Well, read it. I think uh, it was it was a lot of. It felt like a splintering. Yeah, more than like so like a, a when a when a like a character has multiple books, uh, it either can all feel like separate stories but happening at the same time or it feels just like a splinter of stories and they don't talk to each other the Mm x-men books have felt like that for a long time just like honestly kind of the batman books feel like right now however the superman family books don't they all have their own distinct story but they still feel like they're happening in the same at least cosmos whereas the batman books are just like uh this happened to him on a tuesday and it was a earth-shattering event but in the meantime he's actually over here in a fucking coma like yeah it, yeah. The X Men books have felt like scattered all over the place for so long, especially mm-hmm. during the blue, gold, red, dark. Well, Chimichanga. I, I, I also, I also think that they're really struggling to give each book uh, a distinct purpose. 
um, like you know, there's like a government funded team, or, the, or the, the, back in the day, it was like X Factor was was working with the government. Uh, then there was the Uncanny, which happened at the mansion. Then uh, I guess X Force was more like they were out of the out of the mansion and you know doing their own thing. It, it, it just felt like there were different like scenarios for each of them. Mm-hmm. And now it's like X-Men black is like the covert ops team. And it's like, it, it feels like every, it, there's, it feels like, uh, I guess Kitty pride is the headmaster headmaster right now. Mm-hmm. And she's like, she's pairing people up, but there's no real rhyme or reason why they pair these people up other than the fact that, okay, well this writer wants to work with these five characters, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just think of, I, I as usual, I really think that when I think they, they can they can contract the X line quite a bit and really refocus on building a good foundation with it. Well, I I miss I, I maybe it's nostalgia, but I I do miss. So like you had these these larger than life characters, or just like these these historical characters like uh, Cyclops and Wolverine, they've been off the table for. Yeah uncanny or just a major X book for a very long time. Yeah. So yeah. I would love to see uh Slim and Logan. Mm-hmm. But like old school style. Not um well, this is actually the Phoenix Force inspired Fe- uh or Old Man Logan or mm-hmm. and this is actually, you know, hard militant Scott uh who's actually really a 16-year-old from the past. Like just like really yeah. tell a bare bones story with these characters that we all dig, you know. It's yeah. great that they shook it up a couple years ago, but the the great thing about comic books is that when you're done playing with the toys, they they still go back in the toy box. Yeah. For yeah. new stories. So let's just yeah. Let's go. Let's let's it's time for the cycle to rotate. Let's do this. Yeah. That's why I wouldn't I wouldn't be against them uh, just doing a soft reboot to the entire universe where it's like there's a they need to establish just a, a, an across the board status quo of what's going on. Marvel, um, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, no, I'm not saying like go back to number one and retell all of those stories. Like, I, I don't think we need to do that, but just have a have a square one like marvel marvel universe square one or whatever i honestly like i read a lot of marvel and i think it only is a problem with the xbox right now yeah maybe because normal continuity it, it you know marvel has that sliding timeline scale of just like you know in the 60s it was the vietnam or, or you know in the 70s it was the vietnam war but now it's like afghanistan where where frank castle yeah so yeah. It, like it's a sliding scale and they never really change the origins and they never do legit reboots everything did happen kind of shit which is yeah. fine but i think it's it's especially muddied in the x-men universe for some reason well probably because they introduced 42 different time traveling characters and they keep rebooting each other yeah. but it yeah. only happens in that corner so i agree with you that there needs to be like kind of a new status quo and lay down the groundwork for me so i can start enjoying the stories and of instead of spend so much time figuring out where the fuck am i who are these yeah. people they're, they're why like are there the 48 whole... characters they're yeah. the Hawkman. They're the oh, Hawkman yeah. of the Marvel Universe. You know, it's like exactly. Hawkman has yeah. been rebooted so many times that nobody knows what the character is. So. Yeah, other yeah. other books, it's really not that bad. The Spider-Man universe, it's pretty easy to follow. Sure. Uh, Captain America is easy to follow. Yeah, no, I agree. I, agree. 
I hated that. Uh, I was a hater of every book this week, but I, I just really didn't like a lot of stuff this week. Although I did like the X Men one. That X Men. Yeah, book. there you go. I am still not counting you being as a hater of Guardians of the Galaxy. You just don't well, like. Cosmic you just Ghost don't Rider. like Cosmic Ghost Rider. Everything else I is kind of dug. I I like parts of Guardians of the Galaxy. There you go. See, Look at that. That's not full on hater. That's that's uh Whatever. that's just a sip of hater aid. Yeah. And you know what? If I did not see the uh, um, if I didn't see the the name of the artist on Shazam, I think I would have been fooled that it was Dale Eaglesham. Yeah, it was a good it was a good cover up. Yeah, but that's ridiculous. On the second issue, they. They couldn't get something uh, must be going on. The book's late, completely different artists and not even just like and you know, Dave Eaglesham and somebody like it's a completely different artist. Also, yeah. too, I, I don't remember Eaglesham having problems with schedules. Nah. He's he's uh, he was usually a when, very like to do dude. When on when he was on Secret Six, he would do every other issue. Remember that? Oh, that oh so that's right. He... Gail Simone's Secret yeah, Six. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Which was kind of frustrating, but um, yeah, I mean he's a he's a good artist, so maybe he just needs more. He needs more of a lead in time to to really do a. Maybe experience. he's doing every other. I don't know. Maybe. But all right, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Spoiler Alert. Spoilers. I've been your host Johnny Destructo. With me this week was Mark underscore L underscore Miller. You can follow him at mlmillerwrites.com, and also he does a horror column over at. Comic-Con.com, and uh, yeah, and this um, this week, what am I covering? I covering some good stuff. There's a new Amityville horror movie called The Amityville Murders that I'm I'm getting ready to check out. It looks pretty interesting. It comes out this Friday, um, and then I don't know. There's oh, I, I'm gonna watch this movie called Drone, which is from the same guys that did uh, Zombievers, which I can't wait to watch. Oh man, <laughs> from the makers of Zombievers. From the oh, Zombievers. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. From the makers of Zombievers comes Drone, which is it, – it's about basically a drone that gets the mind of a serial killer implanted into it. Oh, that makes <laughs> that makes perfect sense. What the fuck? Uh, yes! I read. Uh, I actually – I read your um, I read your column last week, and I think you were way too kind to Glass. Oh, let's talk oh, about glass. glass. Let's talk about oh. Glass before we sign off. Um, okay. I really – I enjoyed most of it. Uh, I did have a couple of issues. Um, oh, spoilers for Glass? Oh, yeah, we're going to spoil it. We're going to yeah. spoil it. This, this is going to be real quick, but because uh, we've all been looking for I was looking forward to it. I was, I too. Was... Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's start off real quick. Um, Mark. Yeah. Go. Oh, uh, Glass. Um, I think half it works better. Full. It works. What's that? You said Glass <laughs> half full. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, um, I, I think it works as a sequel to Unbreakable and Split, but unlike Unbreakable and Split, it doesn't work as a movie in itself. Um, it's very, I think it's very flawed, especially in the latter half. Um, I think that uh, it's it's not focused on Samuel L. Jackson's character, um, even though it's named after him. Um, I don't think, and I think that a lot of the characters just get the short end of the stick, like, Anna Taylor Joy is just there for some reason, mm. um, and uh, I don't know. Uh, Unbreakable Kid is in it, and he's the uh, you know they should have just got Haley Joel Osment back for that character because <laughs> like it was it it kind of looked like Haley Joel Osment even in the for original Unbreakable, but he uh, he doesn't look or he he's just not the greatest of actors, and and the old lady. Samuel L. Jackson's mom is like, 
she's in real life she's five years younger than him but oh, uh, wow. even even makeup with the the like the old age makeup it, it was just such bad old age makeup on yeah, her it, it just looked like it was just shit glommed onto her face um but i don't know do you guys want to get into the story a little bit uh, or? well and before we do i would like to say that i also thought that it was um um it was a decent betrayal of unbreakable uh <laughs> it had the worst third act of the world the clunkiest oh. dialogue i've ever heard in my entire goddamn life I was okay with the movie for a while, and then the further I get from it, the more I'm annoyed by it. It, it literally did betray characters you waited 17 years, 18 years to, to, to see again or their story continued. Like, Very true. the promise of this universe colliding was 25 minutes into the movie, and then yeah. it was a meditation on <laughs> mental health, which is totally fine. But it was like a wonky dumb version of it like a like an uninformed version of it almost like a a four-year-old trying to describe you calculus yeah no i i I agree with that totally it was it was just i I don't uh and the way that some of these characters were treated i'm not even that (laughs) precious about it but when it comes to like just story structure it was ridiculous and annoying if this movie didn't have the if the last twenty minutes didn't exist, it'd be like cool, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. If it just cliffhangered on them getting out, <laughs> maybe yeah. it would promise for a better movie with a bigger budget. I maybe. didn't. I didn't even need a big, giant spectacle. Just you know, don't kill people off screen for no reason. He was don't. on screen. No, he was in a. He was in. He was in a murder was, puddle. I'm telling you right he was now, in a puddle. it was a goddamn double. For like, they probably, you know what? They probably lost um, Bruce Willis due to scheduling and just like, let's just kill him off in a puddle because yeah. we can't, we can't have it. We don't have his face for the next two weeks. I guess it's supposed to be it's ironic awful. that it's, it's ironic that this big, powerful guy is killed in a puddle. I get it. It's like, but I think that that's the problem with J- M. Night Shyamalan is that he, he thinks of these kind of novelized versions of irony and and uh, and like oh this would be poetic for him to die in this way, but it doesn't make for a big spec. It doesn't make for a, a, an ending that that is uh, like satisfying. Well, there's it's especially. it's it's just catharsis. There is none. Like it's mm-hmm. it's not even I, like you. I I I get saying like stuff like saying um, you know spectacle or bombast, which I've never expected from any single one of his movies. No. So I knew that they weren't going to like have that big of a, a rumble, but it just it it happens in such a narratively poor, um, quiet way that it betrays the two hours you spent with this person, let alone the other two hours from another movie. It's just like, oh, that you know, quote unquote, main character you were following. No, no, no they happened. That happened off screen. No big deal. Faceless peeps. You know, he's dead. It's just it was so fucking weird. And yeah. then. You know, the going away or like the the death rattle speech of of what this is all about is <laughs> delivered by the you know domestic terrorist who killed many hundreds of people. Yeah. I, I actually liked his last words to his mom. I think that uh, like he was saying like I was special, I, I am special, and mm-hmm. everything. That was the only. I but the thing mistake. is. I wasn't a mistake. Yeah, that I wasn't was a mistake. Yeah, I think that that was really good. I wish the rest of the movie was that much it had that much kind of feeling and resonance in it. Because Why were his it, teeth black? Oh, I didn't get that either. I thought that was real weird. All of a sudden, his teeth looked weird. His teeth I, were black I, or cracked or something. 
I turned to the people we were we were with, and I was like, "Was he eating Oreos off?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, his, his he was just were, eating Oreos. <laughs> it was it was so very weird, like a continuity issue that was so very weird. Yeah. I'll, I, I'll bet you it was like his teeth are like their bones too, and so they're weak and brittle. Maybe yeah. it was blood that, for a rating, they blacked out. I don't, I don't know, but uh, one of the things that annoyed me was that they said that it, Samuel L. Jackson made this uh, point in the original. That he made, like, when, when a superhero is made, his exact opposite is made. And they set up Anna Taylor-Joy as being that sort of opposite of, of the Horde. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but Ellie, uh, or what's, is it Ellie Kemper? Is that her? She's the doctor? Sarah Kemper or whatever? Oh, no, that's Sarah, Sarah Paulson. Paulson. Ellie Kemper Sarah is Unbreakable Paulson. Kimmy her name Schmidt. was Sarah Paulson. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, so, you know, Sarah Paulson. When she, when she, Dr. Exposition, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but she, when she comes in there, she even says that there is a yin and yang to these guys, these, these guys. But she never, like, sees Anna Taylor-Joy as having, like, a power. It's like the power of love instead of the power of, like, she has the, the, the well, power it, to kind of make him switch. It wasn't. A, it's not a. So, first of all, this is us implying because the story doesn't tell us as such. But yeah. it's it, what I think he was trying to say was that the horde was created due to a absence of understanding and unconditional love, whereas okay. she is capable of giving it. So it was. Yeah. It was not so much a power, just kind of like the um, adverse to just him or just his yeah. off switch. Well, it was almost like she had a superpower where she touched him and there was something happening. And so one would think that they would try to get her into that asylum as well in order to kind of keep her there. But there wasn't even any attempt at that. Everything Um, everything felt so weird. Like uh, even so the whole ending of this movie was let's get, you know, footage of these people being extraordinary on the Internet. Yeah, maybe that was believable 10, 15 years ago. That was my big yeah. problem with this movie. I haven't chimed in because I've been working on my orders for the store. But uh, also, Uncanny X-Men is not over. I just ordered issue number 12 for my shop. So uh, I know okay. we thought that Uncanny X-Men was actually over, but it's not. So um, I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. I felt like it was a pretty accurate wrap-up to the movie Unbreakable that I saw 20 years ago or whatever. It felt thematically similar. The the pacing was the same. It just it felt like a, like a fine wrap-up up until the end. Uh, where what what Noel was just saying was if this was 10, 15 years ago when the iPhone wasn't really a thing and <laughs> everything on the internet wasn't... Um, like, I just watched a fan film of some of Spider-Man. A That's Spider-Man yeah. fan film that was almost as good as something you would see CGI-wise on the big screen in the Sam Raimi film. So yeah. having their big climax be hanging out in this uh, 30th Street station in Philadelphia with... I don't know, 15 people in it, and then watching them be like, oh my God, look at something on the internet. Yeah. It, it just felt completely flat and lifeless to me. It didn't It didn't feel like, it didn't give me the sensation that I think Shyamalan was trying to give me with the climax of the film. The other problems I had, I think, were solved for me by the end of the movie. A lot of questions I had about the ridiculousness of what was happening, um, like they catch, uh, Glattner, they catch the beast and uh david dunn and she's like don't take him to jail take him directly to the to the hospital i'm like that's not how the law works what are you doing you can't just take them (laughs) and then oh 
We believe that what you believe is all in your head, but we're going to install your cell with thousands and thousands of dollars of water hoses yeah, um, yeah. and stuff like that. So all of that you know, really red is false to me. But then when you find out the quote unquote twist of, Oh, we're part of this three leaf clover, the black cons- clover gang. That's yeah. what I'm going to call them. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. Um, part of this conspiracy to make you, th- make you think that you're not a superhero, that it's all in your head. Then those answers were all given to me. And I went, okay, that makes a little bit more sense. So those are the same guys that showed up at the end of Halloween five. <laughs> the you know thorns. the the, yeah, the, the druids, yeah. The, the the and then they showed up at Halloween six too. But uh, yeah, the, and they broke Michael Myers out of out of prison. It's kind yeah. of the same same secret order, like you know, stupid. Yeah, I'm not a, as mad at this movie as Noel clearly is, um, <laughs> but I, 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 just, I enjoyed it just enough. Yeah, Why I would... feel like, I feel like M Night Shyamalan is really like. He really has dumbed down his style, and I don't know if it's his style that he's lost or if it's just that he has lost faith in really doing an original style, and now he's doing much more of a poppy movie. I think it was much more successful in Split, but then once it... But uh, um, I didn't see anything that James uh, James McAvoy did in Split that's anything new. It's almost to the point where he switches characters so much that it... Uh, it lost the effect to me. By oh, to me, I, I thought that was really impressive. I really well, it's it's still impressive. What he's saying is it's just as impressive. So it's it's harder to like be the draw or the standout. Oh, I see. Is it, like, yeah, I thought he was great. In if this. every issue is great, it's like yeah, it's great again. It's great, but it's like it's the same thing. It's like he's doing the same trick over and over again. And it was it was impressive when it was happening on a kind of like a smaller level, a, a shorter span of time. Um, I, I don't know. And and to your point, J.D., I, I really think that this is a different, totally different movie than Unbreakable. Unbreakable was so patient and so slowly paced, but but uh, refreshing in that sense. Mm-hmm. And it, this this movie doesn't have any of that patience. It just rushes right into having the beast and and uh, Bruce Willis and uh, and and James McAvoy fighting each other. And then they rush right over to the hospital, and it, it, it's almost moving so fast because it seems like if 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 it leaves you time to think, you'll see the plot holes in there. And so it's like, jump, take him to the hospital, and then you jump, you're right to the hospital. You're like, wait a minute, there's no, there's no court, there's no, you know. Well, that's what process. I'm saying though is that yeah. you know yeah. it's all been funded by this covert, you know, that's why I mean, they weren't captured by the police. They were captured by yeah. this this. I was just Black Clover. Black Clover Gang. (laughs) They were captured by supervillains. So it it was, I think, I think Mr. Shyamalan needs a co-writer. Oh, absolutely. I think that this was so clunkily plotted. So, so Mark, you mentioned like he, it seems as though he's lost a uh, a sense of style or or, Mm -hmm. and just went straight to like the, the plot points or the bombast. I think it's yeah. the other way around. I think he's lost substance. I think oh, that he's an too, excellent yeah. storyteller, but he's a he's turned into a very incapable writer. I yeah. think he need like because there's there's some absolutely atrocious dialogue in this movie, like worse than some of the dumbest shit in the angriest superhero movie there is. <laughs> There's That's some terrible no there's some terrible shit in this movie. Do you have something on hand or? Uh yeah, the um I don't the, remember groaning at any That's point. the showdown. 
Oh, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And they say it 14 times. Okay, yes, thank you for reminding me. That is that was my other big problem was the gathering of the the gathering of the characters. He's like, he has. But they do it like four times. And and what was beautiful about both Split and Unbreakable is that it wasn't a superhero movie. It was Mm -hmm. it was a patient thriller that revealed itself to like secondarily or tertiarily was it a superhero movie. This was just mm-hmm. cliche, and it just was yeah. so annoying. Uh, see, I, I agree with you about the telling the audience how comic books work was very annoying, especially at the height of comic book movies right now, where yeah. we know everyone knows how it works. Like, Even the layman knows again, how it works. Again, 15 years ago, maybe this would have been better. Exactly. No, I, honestly, I, I, the, I think I made the point of saying this in my review, was that it, uh, Unbreakable kind of ushered in this realistic way of looking at superheroes, and I really think it was more influential than we really took it, in that it, it really did kind of like happen at a time when the, there were more cinematic movies being developed. Uh, like I, uh, Spider-Man... Uh, uh, Raimi's Spider-Man was coming out. Batman had been out, but it wasn't. Uh, it, it had kind of fizzled out by that point. And uh, but we were getting into the Marvel movies. We we're getting into Blade and, and all of that stuff. And it was experimenting around on what you can get away with. And I almost think that maybe if this movie was was uh, given a little bit more time. It to percolate and and really be a little bit more resonant. It could have been a nice capper on the end of the superhero movies um, that era. So maybe if it if it happened five years from now, it would have been kind of interesting to see. Uh, but it really did feel rushed from from split to un- it was almost like he got a it, like uh, M Night Shyamalan got a uh, a hit with Split and couldn't wait to make a next one. You know yeah, because that feels right you know, too. Yeah, it, I think that it, maybe it could have also given a little bit perspective on what superhero mu- movies are and turned into. Uh, it, I think it would have it, it could have been a nice bookend to the whole like superhero era in movies. But that's just saying that that superhero movies are coming to an end, which I don't think they are. But uh, oh, it no. feels like it feels like it's coming to uh, it's coming to a, a next evolution with after Avengers. Uh, Endgame, I well, think. I actually I think it's going to happen faster. Um, with uh, I guess just maybe like the the a, a different type of attention for superhero movies with Black uh-huh. Panther now. Yeah, like it yeah. just won the ensemble <clears throat> casting, which is essentially best picture for the SAG Awards. Yeah. last night, which is crazy. It's absolutely yeah. crazy. Like winning a Golden Globe is no big deal, or a People's Choice Award, sweet. Like, but actually winning winning a SAG Award is crazy. Yeah. yeah, I don't put much faith in award shows these days. I think that a lot of there's a, there's too much politics going on in that stuff. But politics or otherwise, I, it's it's a level of prestige for a very large part of the audience. It's true. Where it's true. it could transform how they're perceived. Yeah, is yeah. is was the only point. Like not oh, yeah. merit. Yeah. The best picture never really wins best picture. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. in yeah. in thought, right? But I agree. Right. Well, thanks for ch- talking glass with me, guys. Uh, <laughs> I did want to talk about it. Uh, thanks for ruining my uh, my enjoyment of it. Um, th- I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's my pleasure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, guys. Oh, and we can find Noel at Mr. Bartocci uh, on, the, on Twitter. Uh, the social medias. I haven't updated my website in a very long time, so I'm not going to plug yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, if you have anything you want us to review on the show, please email us in at cultpopgo at gmail.com. If there's anything you want to chat about, please send us emails. You can go to cultpopgo.com, click on the bright banner on the right, 
and uh, leave us a voicemail. You can also help the show out by going to Patreon slash Johnny Destructo and uh, throw a dollar uh, or two our way, and that helps uh, with the cost of producing this show. Also, uh, my, and- uh, my my review of Glass is up on, on uh, Comic-Con.com as well as my website if you want to check it out. It's a much more cohesive review of it than, I, than I read, us I read it, and it was great. Thank you. Thank you. Oh. Thank you. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. welcome. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will talk at you later. Bye. It's an hour and 40 minutes. Thanks so much for listening to Spoiler Alert. Check out all our shows, including the Cannibal Horrorcast, where we review classic and contemporary horror. Oh, it's so spooky. And Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles. Recorded live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Nanyang, PA. Yeah. <laughs> 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 <laughs>